0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I'm here with Randy from Fitness Firm Studio in Atlanta, Georgia. What's up, Randy? How are we today?
2: I'm good. How are you doing, Brianna?
1: Doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. All right. Let's waste no time jumping into the details here. How did you get started in fitness? What is it that made you want to own your own studio?
2: Um, I never really thought about owning my own studio or even being a personal trainer, just accidentally fell into it. Uh, been the martial arts pretty much my whole adult life and taught karate, you know, never thought that that would lead into personal training. I always had worked out, tried to be a bodybuilder when I was in my, uh, early twenties and late teens. Uh, but realized that, uh, trying to bulk up and trying to be a karate fighter at the same time wasn't conducive. So it seemed to slow me down. So I, I more or less went into just doing more of a functional workout and doing karate and stuff. So, uh, moved to, uh, moved to Atlanta in 97 98 and accidentally went into a, um, at that time it was, uh, all body works, which now is LA fitness. Okay. And, uh, at that time, Tybo Billy blanks was big and, uh, um, they needed, they were looking for kickboxing instructors. I was a FedEx driver at the time and that would, that gym was on my route, so I just kind of ask what they uh, if they need a kickboxing instructor, and so we did a trial class, and it the first class had uh, sixty people in it, and just took off from there. And the next thing you know, I'm booked. I'm teaching a class every day, you know, all over Atlanta, because they had like fifteen gyms in Atlanta, all these little suburbs. So I yep. was Buck, Buckhead, you know, Vining's, Roswell, Sandy's, all over the place. So, and from there grew into, uh, people wanting to train with me. So I had to get a certification to even teach people how to do kickboxing. Mm-hmm. So I went and just got a basic certification. And then, uh, from there it grew into, Hey, can you do weights with us? You know, I was trained a lot of younger girls, you know, I was in my twenties then and, uh, they just wanted to do different things. So we were doing kickboxing, weight training, different things. So I, like I said, I'd always been into it. And knew what I was doing, but uh, never thought about it being a career. So, right. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then there went. Uh, like I said, I worked for FedEx. I got so busy, I had to go to part-time FedEx. And then eventually, I uh, just went ahead and, and quit because I was so busy training. And then LA Fitness bought out Austrian Strand Bodyworks, mm-hmm. and I was I was a contract trainer, meaning we were just paying rent. Mm-hmm. they, they came in and said, Hey, uh, if you're going to work here, you're going to work for us and we're going to pay you 12 or 13 bucks an hour. And I'm like, what? No way. I just quit my career to do. And I was making a lot of money training right. like I was. Mm-hmm. And so that forced me to basically open my own gym. Cause I was about, I was engaged about to get married. And so I went down that road. So I just went ahead and, You know, just with the money in my pocket, found a small space, opened it up, and, you know, the rest is history. It's been flourishing ever since. So, you know, and it's just, which tells you that, I think, personality outweighs a lot of stuff. You know, if you've got the personality and you connect with people, Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I look for in trainers. I don't look for what you know. I can teach you what I want you to know. Right. I look for your personality. Mm -hmm. And how you connect with people so
1: yeah absolutely and a lot of times it's better if people come in not knowing
2: exactly that's what i want when people yes. ask me hey what are you i'm like i want you to know i will i want you green as can be yes i can teach i can't unteach you exactly I can teach you a lot it takes me a lot longer to unteach you
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah. that's the thing a lot of people come in they have their own ideas yeah. around training yeah. <laughs> and and it gets yeah. in the way yeah. holds them back and oh you
2: know, yeah they're way way smarter. Than
1: what you do too. I, so
2: I yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it when they come in there. Like they're smarter than I am. I'm like, yep. hey, it's okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. That happens all the time. Like how many businesses have you owned and run?
2: <laughs> well, and that's, and, and that's it. I don't have a business background and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, how did I make this work? Yeah. You know, so, and, and it wasn't me, but it was, you know, just the grace of God, but yeah. So.
1: Yep, absolutely. Okay, so now what does your business model look like now? How do you structure things within the facility?
2: Okay, so uh, four years ago, um, I was just in a 2000, I've always been in like a 2000 square foot studio. And it was always basically me and one or two assistants that I was trying to bring along. Every good trainer I would get and teach them how to do stuff, would eventually just move on and open their own place, which is great. That's what Mm -hmm. you want. Um, And then, like I said, four years ago, um, there was an opportunity where a gym was closing and there were eight trainers there. And I was like, man, they're all independent. They need a place to go. So I'm like, wow, if I had a gym size enough to where I could bring all them in, that would be great revenue. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that was what I was thinking, and, and right. on paper it looks good.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But when you take um, contract trainers and bring them in to where you're basically you're just their landlord,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you can give them some rules to go by, but you're you're still you're trying to have someone that is basically just renting from you do what you want. That's hard to that's hard to make happen. Yes. And so you run into a lot of uh, you know problems with they they know more than you do. They want to do their thing and basically all I can do is just turn my head and cover my eyes and go okay, they're paying rent, you know. Right. And eventually you, you try to change the way they're doing stuff, but it doesn't always work. So I've gone through quite a few trainers in the last 4 years with you know trying to teach guys and girls, mm-hmm. hey, if you did it like this, you know, and you showed up to work on time, and you kept your space clean, and you put your stuff up, life would be a lot simpler. Yeah. You know? and right. do, you, do you think owning a gym, and they all inspire to own their own gym, yes. you know, oh, I want to be, you know, I'm like, okay, what do you think it means to own your own gym? Just because your name's on the door? No, you, I'm the one cleaning the bathrooms every morning. I'm the yep. one taking out the trash you know uh oh by the way you have to have a business license every year you have to get recertified with the fire department i mean all this stuff that they don't have a clue about gas bill power bill water bill i mean so much that it takes to even get started Mm -hmm. you know where um in atlanta atlanta the rate for personal training is still pretty high like one-on-one stuff's in the hundred dollars you know and Mm -hmm. you know group stuff's around 50 so um you know, it's still, it's, it's a profitable deal, but I charge $1,500 for a full-time trainer to rent for me, Mm -hmm. which sounds like a lot. They think that's over the moon. I'm like, I would gladly pay $1,500 a month to use this facility and do whatever I want to do.
1: Yeah. And have no responsibility. And have
2: no, absolutely no responsibilities. You walk in and walk out. Right. I mean, maybe pick up a weight and put it back. Yeah. That's about the size of it. So Fortunately I'm I'm pretty lucky right now. I've got a handful of guys that are really, you know, smart and respectful and everything. Every now and then you're always gonna have that one that you that makes my hair turn gray. So that's basically why I've got gray hair is I've always got that one trainer. So
1: Yeah. Know. Yeah, absolutely. And now are you supplying them with yes. leads? Yes. Okay.
2: No, not with leads. So I do none of their marketing for oh. them. Okay. So my thing is is I'm in one of the hottest spots in Atlanta right now in mm-hmm. Sandy Springs, Georgia, which is just booming with um, younger people moving into the area into they've just built so many new apartments over shopping areas and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. within walking distance, and I'm literally right in the middle of it, the boom. And just- we're talking you know, average income is close to two hundred thousand dollars. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a um, affluent area. So these guys, I'm like, if you can't make it here, you can't make it anywhere. You know. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was my next question because most personal trainers aren't so great at acquisition.
2: Uh-uh.
1: Um And you know what they're good at?
2: They're they're good at working out.
1: Right. And looking at it, I'm
2: like, guys, why are you spending? I mean, that's what cracks me up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then like the other side of that too is the piece where maybe $1,500 seems like a lot to them, but like that's a, that's one client, yeah. you know, like. That's, that's
2: exactly right there. So that's the way I do it because I do all group training. Mm-hmm. I look at that $1,500 that that trainer pays me is two clients. Yeah. And I'm doing group training.
1: Right.
2: Right. And I'm like, Hey, you're, you're worth about it better outweigh what you're paying me or you're gone because I don't, I don't want to deal with it, you know, and $1,500 is not enough to have a, not a headache over.
1: No, No. no, absolutely not. Now, so what does your marketing look like? Are you doing any type of marketing for the business itself?
2: No, so I do you know I've got Instagram and Facebook that's about it okay I have think- you know luckily have just always been it took me i want to say it took me about four years to get to where my business started feeding itself, yeah to where my clients were bringing me clients mm-hmm. i've I think I did one advertisement when I first opened in a local magazine, you know, and then I've been in a couple of magazines for stuff but Nothing ever brought me a client like uh, just my clients, you know. Mm-hmm. It was in the newspaper, you know. So uh, I've never advertised. I never have done anything. It's just been word of mouth. And when you build a good client base that has, um, you know, sustainability, that's what that's what feeds you. You know, that's that's what I can't understand. I've got this one guy that charges almost nothing, but he works all day long. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? I don't understand what you're doing. And I kind of put it to him like this. I'm like, if you're training and nothing against the 20 something year olds, but it has to be something you want. And, yeah. you know, and, and I remember back when I was in that age, it's like, I spent my money on everything, but fitness, Yeah, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it was out, you know, whatever. And I tell him, I was like, look, if your client, if you're charging your client that, and they're struggling to get here. If that person needs tires on their car, they're going to blow you off. You're, Mm -hmm. you're the least, you're the, you know, you're the first thing to go. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: You know, they got to go to a wedding in another state. You know, first thing to go is you because that's the disposable income that they're not going to spend.
3: Right.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I'm like, Hey, you've got to build a client base with people with disposable income that their thing is always about fitness and being healthy Mm -hmm. and not being in pain. So exactly. That's that's what I do. I build mine off of that, where my client base is basically 50, maybe 48 to 80,
3: Mm
2: you know. which that's my that's they're falling into my age group, you know, and I know how to deal with them. So uh, that's what I tell these guys that are that are coming to me. I'm like, hey, your best bet is this. And there's so much of that in that area Mm -hmm. that I'm in. And another thing about the area I'm in, there's at least 10 personal training studios within a quarter of a mile yeah. of me. Mm-hmm. And nobody messes with anybody. We're all, you know, there's plenty of people.
1: Mm-hmm. So Right. Yeah, absolutely. And as something that I think is important to keep in mind, especially initially, when you're first starting off as a personal trainer, it's like you want to work with people that are like you that are in maybe in your age group or people that you can relate to, but you have to keep in mind that you are not your customer, your client. Like you, you are not who you are looking for. And I think that also plays into the value of it. You know, a lot of times they have trouble valuing themselves and their services and end Mm -hmm. up charging really low rates because they don't value what they're doing as much as, the person that they should be targeting would.
3: Yep.
1: Um, Exactly. So that's, that's something that really, it's, it's a shift that needs to happen. And initially it's just not there. And then one day you realize, okay, maybe I should have clients who are a little bit older, who have a little bit more disposable income, who really value what it is that I'm providing.
2: Exactly. And that's why I just had a conversation with one of the trainers the other day. I was like, Hey, I said, I said, you're really, you're great your people like you I said but you are not selling yourself you're underselling yourself I said I'm not gonna I'm not gonna respect you if you're charging me 25 or 30 bucks Mm. I'm like why I mean you're I can anybody you know that it's like buying any kind of a piece of equipment or some sort of car or whatever I said I'm like, people want stuff that's high end. I said, if you're not high end, nobody's going to stick with you. Exactly. Meanwhile, his clients are driving Mercedes and stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? Right. You know, I'm like, so that, and they just can't get that because, and again, I'm not saying this. I mean, again, I grew up, I was very insecure, had a Tough childhood. And that's why martial arts really helped me a lot. Right. But these guys, most trainers are insecure anyway. That's mm-hmm. why we do a lot of what we do. Yeah. So you have to believe in
3: yourself
2: or that person that you think might want to work out with you is never going to believe in you and never right. stick with you. So, mm-hmm. and I have clients, I have clients that's been with me for 20 years. It's right. amazing. Like my longevity is there. And, you know, and that's just because I believe in myself and I have them believe in what I'm doing with them.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a big piece there that I I really like to talk about is the perceived value piece. And you touched on that a little bit, like people buy expensive cars because it's a status symbol. It's, it's more, they perceive the value to be more, so they're willing to spend more money on that expensive yep. car. And it's the same thing I like to talk about, like designer bags. Like, why do women go and spend $4,000 on a bag that has an L and a V on it? Because yep. okay. the perceived value of that bag is so much higher than a bag that does exactly the same thing that you yep. can get for $100 or less, you yep. know? Yep. So 100%. it's... That's what it comes
2: down to shoes. It's, it's shoes. It's anything. I'm not going to buy a pair of, as you get to a certain age that I'm in right now, I don't care. I don't care what clothes and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. if I'm going to buy, if I'm going to buy, like I race mountain bikes now or did I've, I've still ride a lot of mountain bikes, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: but I'm not going to buy the, I buy the good stuff because it lasts. And I know it's going to be there when I need it. It's not going to be late and not there when I show up, Right. you know, You get what you pay for. Exactly. I mean, to buy, to pay, and it cracks me up with people with bikes. They're like, well, what's a good price for a bike? I'm like, "Uh, your entry level is two grand. They're like, what? I'm like, my handlebars cost $500. You know, it's like stuff like they don't sell anyway. Yeah. But yeah, and that's, that's it. That's, but um, I think till you get to a certain level of maturity, maturity, you just, you can't you know you can't sell yourself like that so i don't that's to me that would is the biggest thing i give people I'm like you have to believe that you're worth mm-hmm. more right or you're just going to be working for nothing i mean
1: it's absolutely about
2: working, working smarter not harder
1: right yeah i always love to break it down to like a an hourly wage you know exactly
2: it is and then they
1: realize like you're getting paid 4 dollars an hour
2: yeah cuz you <laughs> That's what I tell these guys too. I'm like, oh, you're, all you're doing is taking $1,500 out of 31 days. Right. I said, I'm six times that much. Yes. You know, so don't, yeah, they don't, they don't get it. Right. And, uh, and I'm not, you know, mad that they don't. I'm just like, guys, if you want to get to where you think you want to get to, you got to believe in yourself more.
1: Right. You definitely yeah. Absolutely. So many people yeah. get into the position where they're burning themselves out, working a hundred hours or, or more a week, making less than they would yeah. working for somebody else, 40 hours a week. Yeah. So
2: I work, I work 25 hours a week right now. Yeah. So, and That's I've awesome. got, I've got uh, a wife and five teenage boys.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> so
2: And my wife hasn't worked since our first son was born. So yeah. Absolutely. And I live in Atlanta, which is one of the highest markets, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so.
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. You can't make a living.
2: You can make a living doing this.
1: Yes. And my kids,
2: my kids were in private school, but at a time. So,
1: right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to kind of break through. And that's the thing that I love about being on this side of things is people's belief systems get in their way so much along the way. You know, it's like, people come up with, um, you're raised with with different beliefs around money, um, yeah. around like the perceived value of things. And that's really hard to break through. And that gets in the way so many times when it comes to the sales process and actually asking people for money for the services that you're providing. Yeah. So many people are so afraid to do it because they're like, wow, like there's so much money. I can't ask yeah. them for this much money. And yeah, that...
2: They're looking at it from their perspective, exactly.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: And that was,
2: I had a I had a client that was in his in his eighties that worked for Ritz Carlton, mm-hmm. and he was the one that initially talked. He talked to me, and he goes, "Randy, he was the one that told me about if you don't believe you're worth it, nobody else will." Right. And he convinced me to go up on my rates, and when I did, he goes, "Once you do it." it'll get easier. And mm-hmm. and once I did that, it was just so, and that was, you know, 15 years ago. And, right. you know, I haven't looked back on that. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still remember what he said. And it was, he goes, if nobody, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will believe you're worth what you're asking, you know,
1: so
3: right.
2: it's better mm-hmm. to ask for, you know, you can always go down. Yes, You can't go, it's hard to go up.
1: Yes, absolutely. So. Yeah. And, um, It doesn't always have to be a volume game either. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have less clients and you're charging them a higher rate, you don't have to work so many hours. You don't have to keep track of so many people. You can provide them with a higher level of service, a better experience, get them better results. And you're in a better situation. You're making more money and you're working less hours.
2: Yeah. And then you're, you're not burned out. You're, you've got more, you're offering them more because you're more rested, exactly let's say so Mm -hmm. absolutely right absolutely
1: yeah that's something that um a lot of people don't really think of it's it's more so like okay well i need to get more people in the door more people in the door more people in the door but it's like people you already have in the door are your greatest source of revenue yeah you know those are the people that have already purchased from you they're more likely to purchase from you again they're more likely to purchase additional services that you provide whether that be nutrition accountability supplementation anything of that nature. Um, but go ahead.
2: It's it's like what I was saying a while ago about one trainer is two clients. Mm. So I look at that trainer. I'm like, if I have two clients that pay me the same as you, that's six hours a week that they're in my space using Mm -hmm. my stuff. You've got 20 or 30 clients that are in there all the time. Look how many more people are using my stuff and and destroying it. Yes. I'm like, you're, (laughs) it's way easier for me to have two clients than it is to deal with you. So don't be, don't be that person I don't want to deal with.
1: Right. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm preaching to the choir here. yeah (laughs) Yeah. I know uh, no I get excited when I I get to talk to somebody like you that's got the you know the right idea around it because most people just haven't broken through that it hasn't like it hasn't clicked yet you know and um sometimes it's it's hard to break through that but it's like it's so interesting too because the first time that you sell a higher ticket program
3: Yeah. yeah like yeah
1: yeah it's like your mind is blown. You're like, wow, that was pretty easy. And then it's like, okay, let's do it again. And you raise your price a little bit and then you do it again. And and it okay. just starts flowing.
2: There's one thing too, where you'll get these clients because they have such disposable income. They want to pay you for a whole year. Yes. You know, And I'm like, I try to stay away from that. Cause I'm like, and then they want a little discount or whatever. I'm like, I'm not, that's, that's a benefit to you. It's not a benefit to me. If you give me a bunch of money, that doesn't help me. I said, that makes it harder for me to budget the year. I said, you know, so like I have this one lady, she wants to pay all for the year every time.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And she goes, but I'm paying you I'm like, yeah, but I don't, you're not doing me a favor. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not discounting you because you want to pay me a bunch up front. Right. (laughs) You know, where most people in most industries, that's what people assume can happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I tell them, I don't want it a bunch up front where if you're a fledgling new starter that's like great oh my god i just somebody just paid me six thousand dollars you know Mm -hmm. but that's it's hard for you to budget that and you wind up it it's hurting you more than it's helping you in the long run right yeah i mean
1: if you're in a situation where you are newer and you're looking for commitment and you're also looking to acquire some front-end cash to feed back into the business as far as like good advertising goes or you know equipment whatever it might be Yeah. um then it can work however there is a balance there you do need the people who are on those reoccurring memberships as well so that you can budget and plan yeah. and it's definitely harder to uh to plan if everything's coming in up front um so yeah having that that reoccurring revenue is and easy. That's,
2: that's the one thing talking talking about that like memberships and stuff like that so I'm, I'm old school. I never was Mm -hmm. a fan of contracts or anything like that. Now it's almost impossible not to do that these days, Mm -hmm. but I still like, I don't, I don't do a membership. I don't do a monthly fee. It's like, I still sell sessions. Now I have so many clients that it's a constant every day I'm getting paid something. So it's a cash flow thing for me. Mm -hmm. Now it took a while to get there. So let's say somebody works out three times a week with you, and in a month, that's 12, right? So most people sell them a 12-package deal.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I do I do 10 because it flips before the end of the month. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I want to be paid throughout the month because, I mean, not everybody has to pay their bills on the 1st or the 15th. Right. Like with me, I've got stuff coming out of my household every day. You know, it's like there's something being... Mm-hmm. Pulled out of our account so I want a constant cash flow and it it sounds crazy but once I finally got that working my life has been like you know used to it It was like oh it's first of the month we got to pay this or that you know and you're trying to you know with sessions oh so-and-so's out of town for a week Mm -hmm. because a lot of my clients are high end they're they're gone for a couple weeks on vacation or whatever a few times a year right Mm-hmm. And most people will look at that and go, "Oh, you're better off doing a monthly membership." And I've tried that, but in it's crazy to think. But and a lot of these, a lot of people that hear this will be like, "Oh, yeah, that guy's crazy," but it's just worked so much better for me to be like that. Yeah, and uh, you know where it's a constant cash flow every day coming through. Right. And, you know, it's just it, it works better for our household. You know, mm-hmm. and my business.
1: Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you're at a point now where you're, you're established, you know, it's like the clients that you have.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You have them, they're, they're yeah. with you. Um, so that definitely works. Yeah, we always did. Um, we did do agreements, we did like 12 month agreements or, or six months, yeah, but yeah. it would be um, a weekly, weekly draw.
2: And right, not yeah. everybody
1: was on the same day so it was there was yeah. money coming in every single day
2: that's that's that to me that's so much smarter and i would rather even do that to where it's a weekly thing you know mm-hmm. where i'm selling somebody three sessions or two sessions you know or four or five or whatever i've got some people that come every day and then i've got some that come twice i don't let anybody come less than twice a week yeah like you're wasting your time and yes. i'm not going to get anywhere with you so right you know, i really don't want anybody coming less than 3 but you know occasionally that happens but yeah but yeah like that's that's so smart too doing that like a weekly draw
3: mm-hmm.
2: because that is that is the key is is having that cash flow to where you're never really you know in a moment to where you need money and it's not there right so, exactly
1: yeah. all right so now what are the main focuses for <clears throat> you in the business for this year is there anything that you're directing most of your attention to or any goals that you're looking to achieve or what's what's the plan well, for 2022?
2: I'm still trying to get, um, like right now, like I said, I'm only working like 25 hours, which is, you know, I still try to, because I do group, I try to fit everybody into those hours. Yeah. Uh, before COVID, I worked um, from 5 a.m. till uh, 11, 11.30, Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. Now I cut that. So it's 5 a.m. till 1030, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, and Thursday is seven to nine. So, and then, so what I, my goal is to get the Tuesday, Thursday built back up. Mm -hmm. Right now I've, you know, my Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because those those are more popular days. I mean, I am first thing in the morning, I'm blowing it out, you know, and so it just is steady all morning long until 1030. I'll train, you know, anywhere from 25 to 35 people, depending who's in that day mm-hmm. you know, and within that time frame. So there's always at least four to 10 people in there, you know, and right. the way I do it, it's a revolving door. I don't set, Hey, Brianna, you got to be here at 7 a.m., you know, because you may have to take your kid to school or do something else. So yep. you may come at eight or you may come at 815 mm-hmm. or just give yourself an hour to be there. And you fit into that window
1: right
3: So
2: I, you know it's just a revolving door in my place okay which I, do, I don't know of anybody that does that or offers that because to me that's such a benefit to that individual they're just trying to train because you don't have to be there at that certain time or set mm-hmm. time because I mean you take Atlanta traffic's crazy you never know what's going to happen so right
1: yeah absolutely I've heard that a couple of times recently before recently <laughs> I really hadn't heard that kind of type of model. Um, But recently it's come up a couple of times. So is it like you structure the workout for the day and then you're there and then people come in as they can.
2: So what I do is it's a different workout every day and Mm -hmm. it's 100% functional. So we're not using any machines. It's Mm -hmm. body weight, a lot of bands, you know, I'm going to use a kettlebell or dumbbells medicine balls and stuff but it's you know it's adding weight to them doing stuff i do a lot of stuff on the floor a lot of core stuff a lot of leg stuff to me legs and core are the main thing your arms are going to come off of that mm-hmm. but if as you get older if you lose leg strength then you become an invalid and right. so uh, and i'm all about body balance like or muscle balance like most people come in they're they've got a muscle imbalance and so they don't even know it right and most people don't even know how to address that Mm-hmm. So, I start addressing that. So, I build exercises to do that. Each person, even though they're going through a circuit, I've got so many variables in that exercise that I can make it fit for that person. Right. You know, so I'll, uh, like I said, I'll do a, and I've been doing this forever because of my boxing background, is a timer. So, back when, you know, nobody was using timers, I had a boxing bell that would ding you know, every 30 seconds or every minute. So I've always used time instead of rep. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So now with me having one of those clocks, you can set as much time on the exercise and as much rest as you need. I change that up all the time. So I may be doing a 50 to a 55 second or a 45 second exercise with a 15 to 20 second rest in between. So it gives people time to get to the next exercise. we get going, you know, and I may do two sets there before we rotate out. So, yeah. And, and, you know, 12 to 16 exercises, you know, so you may do, you know, 48, basically 48 sets, you know, Mm -hmm. in an hour. So it's, it's crazy, but it works and it works. It works so well. I've been doing it so long that it's just, you know, I've got it down pat. Right. It's hard to, it it is hard to teach that to somebody because, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been doing it so long. It's just in you. Right. Right. And it's, everybody gets a workout. It's never, it's never not a work. And I'm, I love it when I get these guys that come in, uh, maybe crossfitters or, uh, heavy lifting guys, you know, or powerlifters or whatever, mm-hmm. <clears throat> or even some athletes. And they think, oh, this is just, you know, yeah. this is nothing. I'm like, okay, why are you in yeah. the bathroom puking? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's, it's always the teenagers.
1: Yes.
3: That, oh know, Yeah. This,
2: I'm like, dude, what are you throwing up for? <laughs>
1: yeah, that used to happen funny. at the at the gym when I was there all the time. And you know, a lot of times they would walk in to a kickboxing class and see a female instructor, and then they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, this is going to be easy." And then it was like, "Okay, give it a few minutes," and then they're yeah, gassed yeah, yeah. within the yeah. first five minutes of class and puking in the bathroom. Yeah. And you're like, "How is that?"
2: Well, <laughs> and that's what that's what people don't realize and like I said I'm more I'm more based off of legs and core so Mm -hmm. you're bringing so many more muscles into play and people don't realize what that does to your oxygen level and blood level so and I try to incorporate into every exercise you know I try to get as many body parts or muscles Mm -hmm. working into that as possible so um yeah and it's it's funny um uh, a long time ago, when I tried to was trying to figure this out, I was at a seminar, and it's Juan Carlos Santana. He's down in Florida, and he said, "Hey, this stuff ain't you know it ain't rocket science.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Keep it keep it simple. Yes. Keep it simple." Mm-hmm. He goes, "If they're having fun, and nobody's getting hurt, and they're sweating, that's what it's about." He goes, "You're a coach. Make it fun. Make everybody have a workout. Nobody gets hurt. Right? That, that's what it's about." So. You know, I was, since then, I, you know, it just snapped something in my brain. I was like, oh, I'm just a coach, man. Just have fun, you know?
1: Right. Absolutely. Simple scales.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, it it cracks me up to see people. I'm like, if the exercise is hard for you and you're a trainer, what do you think it's going to be like for the the common person? I'm like, if it's tough for me to do, it's impossible for them to do. Yes. So, right. I try to make stuff that is doable because if it's doable, you can get more done and you can get more out of it, you know? Right. And is it, as long as it's challenging, it's still working the stuff and mm-hmm. I'm getting benefits out or they're getting benefit out of it.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. People are more likely to come back if they don't feel hundred <laughs> percent defeated by the time exactly. they eat. Yeah. They want to feel accomplished, yeah. not defeated.
2: That's it. You do not. I don't want a person the first time they work out with me walking out of there and the next day, not being able to brush your teeth right so sore or sit yeah. down on a commode I'm like I want you to just know you worked out mm-hmm. I don't want you to be broken because uh, again it defeats you and you're like oh my god I'm never going to get there especially if you're at a certain age if you're yeah. in your 50s I mean and you haven't done anything in a few years and you're like oh that's the least thing you want to do is work out right number one and number two you think you'll want to go and have somebody beating you up
1: so, right yeah absolutely and then it Makes your the the next day at at work even more complicated and and challenging because the body hurts.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So it's you know, and that's the thing with uh, most trainers are younger and they just have to, uh, they got to realize not everybody's in their 20s. You know, when you get to a Mm -hmm. certain age, it's like, you know, you just want to, like I said, you want to feel like you're doing something, you want to be sweating and you don't want to be hurting the next day. Right. You know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So. Absolutely. And just get there. alrighty. There. So. Definitely. Yeah.
1: All right. So, as we approach the end here and start to wrap up, where can the listeners find you on social media?
2: Um let's see. Face uh, on Facebook, it's uh Fitness Firm Studio. Um is basically that and I'll post I rarely post a lot of uh I'll try to post like a if there's 10 people in there I'll take a, a kind of a group shot of everything going on at one time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I post a lot of stuff of my boys doing speed and agility exercises and stuff. My facility that I have now is 7000 square feet. I went from 2000 to 7000. Yep. And then COVID hit. Mm. And you know, God, I don't know how, you know, just made it through that. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Here I am, simple life, not having a big deal. And then now you go and take on this much more overhead and Mm -hmm. then boom, here comes COVID. And I was, man, I was like you, like you said, we were killing it before COVID hit, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, but now, Yeah, so I have a big and it's all turfed out. So we have a lot of room to do speed and agility, ladder, sleds, all kinds of stuff like that. So we do a ton of that type stuff uh, as well. So, And then Instagram is just, uh, I think it's Randy Nicholson. I'm not sure if I even have it under Fitness Firm, which shows you how, yeah, old school. How much you use it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, I'll post, uh, where are we at here? It is, uh, that's terrible. Don't even know. Yeah, it's under Randy Nicholson, Randy Nicholson's fitness firm.
3: All right, perfect.
2: But yeah, you know, I wish I could do all these. I've got one trainer that spent so much time doing TikTok videos. And I'm like, um, he would spend hours a day doing that stuff. Yeah,
1: it takes a long time.
2: Yeah, never got one client. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, go walk around the neighborhood with a card. You know, like I said, uh, there's so many apartments within a quarter of a mile walking distance of where we're at right now. If he just walked around and handed out cards, because it's it's a walking community now too. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: a lot of restaurants and stuff right around. So,
1: absolutely sounds like a really needing, good area.
2: Oh, it's a great area. If I was if I was needing clients, that's and I was starting out, that was, I would be outside trying to drum up business like that
1: mm-hmm.
2: before I'd be you know. Doing the social media stuff, I think,
3: yeah, <laughs> because again,
2: there's everybody's doing it, you know, mm-hmm. everybody you don't know who's good, you don't know who's bad mm-hmm. if if we meet face to face and start talking, you've got much more of a chance of you coming to see me than on a video,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. showing you
2: mm-hmm. my biceps or whatever, so
1: <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to do it in the right way if you are um, doing it, but yeah. yeah absolutely all right so randy from fitness firm studio in atlanta georgia thank you so much for taking the time to join us today it's been awesome having you on the show
2: thank you brand it was fun
1: good all right and to all the listeners out there make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show in the meantime keep killing it out there we'll catch you on the flip side jim lords out
0: thank you for listening to this interview but don't go anywhere Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule
4: your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lawyers Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Corey Kidder, owner of Anytime Fitness in Garland, Texas. How are you doing today, sir?
5: Fantastic. It's a great day.
4: Awesome, man. Every day is a great day when we get to help people change lives, It's uh, a great business we've both chosen to be in, right? Yes. Awesome. Let's hop into it. We talked a little off the air. I'm super excited to hear your Anytime Club is very different from what a lot of people's perception might be, certainly um, stands out from the norm. So give us a lowdown overview what you're all about there.
5: Thank you. All right. So our our main focus really is helping people. Um, Anytime Fitness is a franchise, so you have this shared access this reciprocity across the board and that's what people know us about know know about us they know we're 24 7 they know that if you're a member of one club you're allowed to visit all these other clubs but being that we are franchised we all are independently owned we run things differently Uh, my my focus from the get-go was i want to actually help people i want to make a difference so we train here we do body scans here we do nutrition all of the equipment is focused for results, whether it's platforms and bumper plates, large functional areas, it's clean, it's working, it's the highest tier equipment that commercial, like commercial equipment is made from. We, we love it. We've been showcased with a few brands even that we, a, a few of our vendors, because we've made it a point to make our club stand out. And our, our focus really is without any exaggeration results. Results benefit us long-term, short-term. It leads to members enjoying their stay here. It leads to other people hearing about that, wanting to be involved too.
4: Awesome, man. So this was not a pre-existing facility. This was a new build out when you opened in 2019?
5: That is correct.
4: All right. So the first thing that, that pops into my head here as we're going through it is you're probably on the fringes of your typical anytime fitness club. And I'm sure there are some parameters, some things that they dictate to you and some things where you have free reign. So how far out to the limits of what you could do with an anytime club are you? And to the to the extent of being atypical for layout, for, for execution, why, why was
5: anytime the right fit for you? So when I went into all of this, looking at changing into owning my own business, being a small business owner, having a franchise, not a franchise, uh, I I looked around a lot. And at the point, at at the time, years back when I was looking around, Anytime Fitness was really a a premier franchise, it was standing out a lot at that time. It was uh, well known. For the franchises that had, there were a lot of great things about it. And every time I went through different franchise options, price, uh, jumping into it, cost, how many staff I need, this, that requirements, I don't know. I just, I kept coming back to anytime fitness. I had previously worked out at any time. I like that model and I kept coming back, coming back, coming back. With my build out, anytime being a franchise, we do have specific. Brands were allowed to use specific colors when we paint, different things, layouts. Uh, they me being a first-time owner with any time fitness, they required certain things I may have had an opinion of, I'd like to do this, and they'd say yes or no. So when I was allowed to do things the way I wanted to, I did them. And if they told me flat out no, I respecting it being my first time with them, it was a no, and I went, okay, fine. But my first distinction of this is what a normal anytime fitness looks like. And this is what I want was I don't need 10 treadmills, 10 ellipticals, 10 bikes. People aren't going to get those results from just walking and jogging all day long. So I shortened those numbers down drastically. And I was like, okay, well this in my space, all I need are these treadmills, these ellipticals, I'm going to get my Stairmaster, I'm going to put in rowing machines, I'm going to put in bikes, I'm going to put in air bikes, skiers, I'm going to put in things that are better cardio for those that want to do cardio. But my main focus will come down to having a very large free weight area and a very large functional area. And in the past, a lot of Anytime Fitnesses have these studios. So you're looking at hundreds of square feet for one person to stand inside this room and do whatever he or she is doing. And yeah, it might lead to a potential trainer doing things in there, but it shut everyone else, everyone else off in the club from that area. So it's away from from my standpoint, from my personal views, it was wasted space, and it was taking away from other members seeing what training looks like. So where I hear about clubs using that studio area for training, I'm going, well, yeah, but you're preventing the rest of the club from seeing how talented your trainers are. So I've taken every single wall down in my club that I've been allowed to take down, or I should say, since I did a build, I I never built them in the first place. Uh, One thing that distinguishes my club from a lot of the clubs is where my free weight and functional area meet. I built a, a rig of three racks that connect to create a wall separating my free weights and functional, but you can walk right in between that because it's they're they're full racks, but it it created a visual wall of this one side is functional, one side is free weights, but you still get to see everything. And now it leads into when we're doing training in free weights, training in functional, it's a seamless transition from one to the next. So yeah, there I I respected what I had to within any time. I wasn't trying to be any like rogue anything, but I I listened to those that told me good advice. I personally sought out owners of Anytime Fitness and owners of other businesses that are successful, and I asked their opinions. I intentionally sought out from a few owners of what I thought were not successful businesses, and I asked for their opinions too, out of respect to, if they give the same advice, great, but if they give different advice, this is one of those, the successful owner says this, the non-successful owner says that, good. They're very different answers. Now I know truly that there's, I don't know, I I just, I wanted to be educated coming into this and I didn't want to just randomly put my entire family at risk taking on this adventure. So,
4: yeah, it sounds like a lot of analysis, a lot of, a lot of thought, not just, Hey, let's, let's dive into this and and do what the franchise says. So um, I want to get back to the present, but just so that we have a little bit of a background, I know you mentioned you have some background in education. So what's your professional background and, and what's your background as far as, you know, how you were involved in fitness, you know, as a consumer and, and how did they come
5: together? Thank you. Uh, my, my background is education. I taught for 10, 10 and a half years, uh, taught math, seventh, eighth grade, pre-algebra, algebra, geometry, all of that. And I love, I love education. I love teaching. I love learning. I've done Years and years of my life in nonprofit businesses, uh, for multiple, multiple different venues, but it, it it comes down to that educating, the learning, the growing, that sharing that knowledge. And when I, while teaching, knowing I'm not going to stay here forever doing this, I kept looking year after year, summer after summer. I would teach during the summer times. I would do internships and nothing ever grabbed me enough until one day uh, what truly got me into this is while working out at an at an anytime fitness the manager walked up to me and was like hey you want to buy our club and i was like that's really funny i don't have that type of money and she was like no seriously we're we're selling it we know you work out here would you and your wife like to own our club i was like i i really don't have that type of cash i i can't do that And that club sold in about five days and I went, okay, let's see what, what, what does something like this cost that someone was able to just come up with that type of money? Um, My experience, unfortunately, with Anytime was not the greatest going into this because when I started reaching out to the franchise, I... They never once brought up to me purchasing an existing club. It was always about building a new, building a new, building a new, building a new. And I was like, okay, well, since they're never bringing it up, I guess I don't know how you get to buy one of the used ones, but I'll just build one from scratch because mine's going to be better than buying a used one anyways. Now, short answer of all this, anyone listening, buy a used one. It costs way less. You can make money. It costs way less and you can still upgrade it, change it, do all of your things, and it costs way less. So just making that clear. But I went into this and I, I thought about this. Okay, well, I'm coming from education. I, I wanna open a business. This anytime was offered to me, let's start looking into it. And it, it ended up taking a two-year process before I was actually opening my doors. But I have family that had to help me with this. Um, I mean, I took out a massive SBA loan. i I got family members' signatures. My signatures, everything I own is on the loan. Everything's signed for because I wanted to help people my 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 journey into this. why did I open a fitness franchise? Why not food? Why not this? Why not that? I care about people. I'm healthy. I'm not some big bulky guy. I'm also not. Um, I, I didn't grow up with sports. I didn't have any of that. I grew up with my family and I, I understand good nutrition and I understand being active. And that's one of the greatest things that I go over with my members. I tell them, I'm like, look, you should be active seven days a week. That doesn't mean working out seven days a week. You should be active. So you decide based off of your goals, your capabilities, your this, or that. Let's try and be in the gym four or five times a week working out. And then those other days, either be in the gym, just doing your stretching and cardio and something active or going a walk, take your dog out, do something for 30 minutes. But I'm trying to create this mindset of everyday activity. And uh, again, just answering that question. So I, I do love educating people. I do really care about helping. And so I thought, okay, well, if I open an Anytime Fitness, if I open a fitness franchise, I have a gym. I still get to educate people. I still get to help them. I get to show them how to do things. I get to be involved. And that passion that I have about caring for people and helping people, I get to continue doing that here. So that's something I've, from day one, done, Uh literally day one, I'm here. I'm here six days a week. This is my club. My members know me. I know my members by name. I make it a point, even when it's outside of those hours that I work, my members can still text me, call me, leave me a voicemail, email me, and I'll get back to them and say, okay, you're saying you're trying to do this. All right. Well, these are some exercises that are going to work, or you need recommendations on that. Okay. Well, I don't know that, but let me look it up and I'll get back to you. Cause I don't want to give an uneducated answer just so I can sound smart I'm going to go figure it out if I can't figure it out then I'm going to ask someone that knows and then I'm going to get back to them too I really mean it when I say I want to help people it's this is something that for me I'm definitely passionate about this was not something that I thought oh anytime fitness is a turnkey business I'm going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and I'm going to make hundreds of thousands no and just to be clear that's not how the business is that model is gone gone So one thing that you put some
4: extra emphasis on that I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly with is um, buying existing gyms is for a myriad of reasons, um, my favorite way to do it, Uh, coming from someone who's done it both ways and some different variations of it, um, on top of it being cheaper, on top of having some established client base. um, If you're impatient, uh, build out takes a long time construction always takes longer, costs more than you think. There's, there's there's, a million ways. Not to say that it's not great, but you got to be patient and you got to have more money than you think you need. And then you need a little bit more of everything. So That's I'm completely with you true. there. So one of the things that comes up a lot for new, new construction businesses where you can do it when you take it over, but when you're a new gym, um, from a business standpoint, one of the things um, that I find is a huge uh indicator of success by way of effort is pre-sale so did you do a pre-sale what did it look like what were your goals um okay and, and how did that shake out for you or were you just someone who wasn't a fan and you said hey i want to wait till i have something tangible to get people in
5: pre-sale i reached out to anytime fitness i asked the corporate people what i need to do they told me what i need to do and i did I started doing social media, which I despise. I um, happily was here five days a week, if not sometimes six days a week, sitting outside my, my units that I had acquired as they're being demoed out and then built up, built up. So I would sit there every single time I had an opportunity to show proof of construction, show what's going to be when it is all constructed, what equipment I'll have. Uh, I had Precor and Torque and and TRX send me digital images of the equipment I was going to get. So I had posters and pictures. I sat outside my strip outside my building in, in our little strip mall, just with a table. And anytime someone walked up, I'd show them pictures. I'd answer their questions. Um, I I had said earlier, I I took this very seriously. I did my research prior to me even opening my club for uh, somewhere between four to six months. I managed an anytime fitness for free. They appreciated that Uh, because I asked them, I said, look, I'm building my own. We're nearby. We're within driving distance of each other. How about I get knowledge and you get free labor? And they were very ecstatic about that. And to this day, I greatly appreciate those owners. It's a partnership. Uh, I greatly appreciate them because they gave me that chance to learn. So I learned the software. I learned the systems. I learned what words to use. And then when I, I would work at their clubs someday, and then some days I would be here or I'd do both. Or, But my pre-sale was terrible, terrible. I sent out physical flyers, which I was told not to do but I did it in addition to digital, uh, physical flyers. I got back after sending out 1500 flyers, I think less than six people responded to those 1500 flyers, which if you've ever done physical, that's very expensive. Uh, so I did that. I tried walking around a little bit. My, my presale was terrible. My social media didn't lead anything. Uh, I paid a massive amount of money to a company that I was recommended to do. And they wrote me a check at the end of all of it for, I think, like 25, 30% of what I spent as a check back to me since they failed. Um, And it just, my pre-sale was terrible. I tried. I was, I I didn't have an issue, but the biggest thing that most people had is they're like, well, until you're officially open, we just we don't want to join and have our money just sitting there not doing anything. And I'm not a pushy salesman. To this day, I don't do it. I have my prices on my windows so that the public can see. I don't hide anything. I publicize my training packages. I publicize my membership packages. Everything is out there. None of it is hidden. Because if someone walks up and they see that and that deters them from joining, then that's okay with me. Because if they're going to try and join a club purely based off of a cost, not based off of the value and what they're going to get out of it, I'm not that right place because they're coming in with the wrong mindset anyways. I want someone to join my club because they want to get help or they want to be with a place that has amazing equipment that's going to get them amazing results. So yeah, pre-sale was bad. I had a lot of people that were like, well, once you open, we'll come and join. And I said, okay. And you know what? Thankfully, for me, where I am, uh, which heck, we haven't even talked about that. My location is not, this is one thing I did go against anytime fitness. My location is not in a normal location. I'm not on a highway and I have no anchor store. I am the largest thing in my strip. We are in the center of three different neighborhoods. We've got a golf course across the street. It's a very nice neighborhood, or these three neighborhoods combined. But because of that, I don't have the same visibility that a normal gym would, being on a highway or having an anchor store or a Target, a Kroger, or whatever. But also, and this is why I did what I did, is I don't have the same attrition because the people that live in the neighborhood, they're not, this isn't a high turnover neighborhood. People move here and they live here. So when they join, they stay. Where if I was off of a highway or other things, I'd have a, you know, generally speaking, a higher amount of people coming in and going out. So... Sorry, I answered a bunch of things all on that one.
4: That, that's great. Great. In in the respect of time, I think the biggest thing that I, I want to make sure that we get to um, is how you continue to keep your facility training and coaching focused. And for me, it always feels like it starts at the point of sale, consult, evaluation, onboarding, sale, whatever you call it and whatever your nomenclature is for it. But people come into an access, a generally an access type gym with a certain set of expectations. So how do you point them in the right direction? How do you qualify people to be a good fit for your facility? Because it sounds like you're not just taking anybody's money who wants to come in and swipe a credit card. What does the process look like that you take somebody through to bring them on in the mindset of you're here for results? We have a lot of training, we've got good training. How do you how do you onboard somebody in that way?
5: I'm, I'm still not the greatest at that as I'm learning. But um, to, to one of the comments you said, I, I have 100% turned away a couple of people from joining my club uh, because I am very honest and direct on that. I, I've had people come in and they're like, well, you know, I just want to join a gym and you're, you're nearby, let's do this. And as we talk more and more and I start asking about goals and other things, I find they're in no way committed. They sound very flaky. I, I've told people come back when you're more ready, when you want to be committed. I've told people a 45 minute to an hour long drive is the greatest thing to beat a gym. And you're going to cross all these other gyms before you even get to mine. Are you sure you want to join mine? I, I mean, I, I'm very honest. So I've lost plenty of sales doing that. When it comes to personal training, group training, uh, and then just helping my members at at point of sale. I'm telling people up front, Hey, we're a training club. Like it is in my verbiage as we're speaking, we are a training club. We're a training club. We're a training club. And then when people ask, they're like, well, aren't all gyms a training club? I'm like, Oh, that's far from the truth. No, because all gyms don't have the same equipment. All gyms don't have the same services. All gyms don't offer training. So no, it's, it's far from the truth that all gyms, are the same. And that's one of those common misunderstandings for people that don't know better, but at point of sale, I'm already talking to people. I'm asking about their goals. I'm asking one of the most common things I do when someone shows up at my door and I'm like, Oh, you're here for a quick tour. And they say, yes, I bring them into my office before I even show them the club. And I just ask them, what are you trying to get out of this? Like, why did you come to my club? There are loads of other gyms to go to. Why'd you come to my, I want them to tell me why, because if they say, well, I heard the good reviews about your equipment. Great. Well, let's talk about that. If they talk about my cleanliness, great. Let's talk about that. If they say it's that they're here because we're open 24 seven, fine. Let's talk about that. But I want to know why they're at mine over visiting somewhere else. And then I want to know what their goals are as soon as possible. And I don't dig too deeply into their goals, but I explain that because we are a training facility, the more we understand about their goals, the better we can help them acquire those. So through body comp scans, through free training that we offer, uh, we're going to make these things happen. What I mean by that is all of my members, as long as they are a paying member of my club, I do a monthly body comp scan for them. This is a great way to do follow-ups. It's a great way to track their muscle mass, fat masses. It's also the best way to start out a conversation on nutrition once i understand their muscle mass i get to say okay well your skeletal muscle mass is this your lean body mass is that let's start talking about real caloric numbers let's start talking about proteins macros and see what we can do for you so that we can start getting your results all members that join my club i give them two training sessions just to help get them going so body comp scans lead to training because if after three four months of them doing their own thing and then not getting any results well, let's have a very honest conversation about maybe what you're doing isn't working. Let's try a couple training sessions. Me giving two training sessions to everyone is a helper because that way they're, it kind of acclimates them to the club faster. They get to see the equipment, learn it. They also get to meet our trainers. Uh, there are loads of people that came in not having any idea about training, but once they realize what it is, they're like, oh, this isn't what I saw in the movies where I was getting yelled at for 30 minutes like, no, uh, we actually wear heart rate monitors at my club so that the trainer and you both know whether you're actually exerting yourself or not. Because I don't want you saying I got more. Well, it's at 100 percent your max heart rate and you pass out. But I also don't want you saying, oh, this is really tough when you're at 50 percent your max heart rate and you're falling asleep. So we get to call them out on this and help them where we are very, very involved. So point of sale. I make it clear we are a training club. I'm not going to force you into training, but we offer it. And if it's something that you realize that you're not getting results on your own, come to us. I don't play the games of, well, it has to be a 12 month contract or It has to be this many times per week. I've tried that. It did not work for me personally. I don't like it because I wouldn't want to be locked into that myself. I asked them, what are your goals? Okay, well, how long do you think it's going to take? Okay, well, then that's the contract we're going to put. You said you think this is going to take six months for you to get there, then let's do a contract of that. And at the end of that, if you're there, great. But if you're not, then let's keep going. Because you thought it would take that long. And we either will agree or disagree. But I try and make training what they want, not what I want because I'm doing this for them. So even though I may know more or understand better what their body needs or what their, uh, how long it's going to take time-wise, I'm still going to respect their opinions. And unless they're off the wall crazy, I, I'll i adjust their opinion slightly on, or not adjust, sorry, that came up weirdly. Uh, I will discuss their opinions and say, look, you said it might be this, but your body's not going to change in one week. So let's be a little more realistic. But I, I'm also going to let them kind of figure things out. And that's worked out really, really well for us because we we don't have people stopping. They they show up. The people that don't continue with us are those that have said, look, I want three or four training sessions to help get me going. And then I want to do it on my own. Okay, we respect that and we do. But if we had required for them to do 12 months, they wouldn't have even done those three or four with us. And during those three or four, they build a relationship with my trainers, with myself. And now they come to us, they ask questions. My trainers, when they're not training, they're employees, they're coaches, and they're going to come out and they're going to help. Uh, they work out during their shifts. I mean, I I want this to be a fun place for everyone. So. All right. So you you <laughs> kind of took the words out of
4: my mouth there or gave me the perfect segue Um, The last thing that we're going to have time to to hit the topic of, and not nearly as much time as I'd like, um, but your training facility, the topic of trainers is a hot one these days um, with talk of labor shortage and nobody wanting to work and having it be difficult to find trainers. And what's your philosophy there? Are you growing trainers from the inside? Are you hiring trainers from outside? Um, You said your trainers are employees, you know. How do you manage expectations? Kind of requirements. Um, give us kind of the overview and your philosophy for
5: the trainers in your gym. Oh, this is one where, full honesty, I'm bad at this. I'm very bad at this. Uh, I'm a fantastic owner. I care about my my members. I care about my my team, my trainers, and I'm going to take care of them. I, I really am. But I, I'm not going to follow them around like they're my two year old. And telling them, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. I, I've like I, I've got an older trainer, or a younger trainer, and that's it. I have two trainers right now. I have applications floating around year round, and I cannot find trainers. A lot of the times I get unrealistic trainers. They've never trained before. They saw some random guy or girl on YouTube, and they apply with, I want to make $50 an hour. And I'm like, so do I that's cool. I, I want to make 50 an hour. Um, but it, it's, I have unrealistic things from even those that are older. With everything that's gone on in the past few years, it's led to a lot of people doing at home training, virtual training. Uh, I had one guy that dropped by my club one day. He's like, I've got 20 or 30 clients already. I'd love to bring them to your club. And I was like, great. So we talked about a split and he was like, oh, I thought I would just get to do this for free. Like why would I just open my club up to you and just let you make money off of my club? He's like, I thought that's how it worked. Nope. So a lot of people come in with unrealistic expectations. Uh, it, it's it's been very, very, very difficult to find trainers. I'm incredibly slow, incredibly slow to hire and incredibly quick to fire because I can't have someone that's going to ruin the image of our club. So my my, I could easily have way better managerial skills when it comes to my actual staff where I'll put things down and I'm like, look, these are the hours y'all are working. You can set your own hours. I'm happy with that. As long as your clients are taken care of, that's what I care about. And I've said that to every single trainer I've ever hired. If you take care of your clients, that's what I care about. They pay, they, they pay, you take care of them as long as everyone's happy. If you want to work X amount of hours a week, I'm fine with that. If you want to work full-time, part-time, it doesn't bother me. You do what you want to do so that you enjoy it. Um, Understand that this club is your club too. And I want them to have that respect and understanding that when they say, hey, we need a new piece of equipment, I'm going to go get it for them. Because if they can justify why, I'm going to do it. I'll take that cut. I'll, I'll buy that equipment. I'll change equipment. I'll replace equipment. But finding trainers is difficult. Finding good trainers has been very difficult. Um, I, I'm, I'm not certain what else to add on that, but I want them to love it here. My big thing from them is I want them to think this is theirs too. I might be the owner here. Fine. Not I might. I am the owner here, but I, I treat them with love and respect they are not to me simply a, Hey, I told you, you need to be here from five to eight. Why aren't you here? It's, it's not like that. Um, I mean, I've, I've had trainers with injuries with surgeries with different things and I I'm totally flexible. And then I'm like, look, you need to take care of you. You need to take care of family, take care of family. We'll cover the other things, but it, it comes down to, again, the clients, if the clients are taken care of, all right, fine. So I'll, I'll put in a little more work. I don't mind. Um, I I want to be at somewhere. I want to work somewhere that I enjoy. I want them to work somewhere they enjoy. So my hope and prayer from all this is that if I'm treating them with the respect I am, that they're going to love this so much that they're going to, in return, want to be successful. Where it's simple from a service standpoint. The more clients you have, the more you're going to get paid. So if they want to get paid more, they need more clients. I make sales all the time myself. They can always do that themselves too, but I'm the one that normally makes the sales because that's on my mind. If it's not on their mind, they may be stuck with however many clients they have for weeks and weeks and weeks, but if their mindset is to grow and they understand that, then they need to get out there. They need to do what I do. I say hi to members. Anytime someone comes in my club that I don't know, I introduce and I introduce them like, oh, hey, how's it going? What's going on? Are you finding things? This is our club. We're a training facility. We, I mean, I just like I was trying to make a sale for a new member. I do that when people visit my location that are already members of other any times. And from that, we've gotten training plans. Even though they're a member of another club, they start training at our club. So, yeah, I
4: the, the thing that stands out the most for me there is it, it feels like it's more of a matter of establishing, growing, and maintaining culture than necessarily a stress of qualification or pushing volume for the sake of volume. It's, hey, if these are the right people that I wanna be around, that I want around my clients, we'll make everything else work and not vice versa. So we are just about out of time here, sir. I appreciate you being here with us. I want to be respectful of your day and what you have going on. Any parting words for us? Anything
5: that you want to leave our audience with before we let you go? I, there's always plenty to say. <laughs> um, my my big thing is kind of a commitment to this like any business you have. It doesn't matter whether it's an Anytime Fitness or you, you own a plumbing or you own this or that. If you're a small business, it, it's... You know, what What commitment do you have to this? This has not been the way I wanted it to be for a brand new business. When I opened May of 2019 and I got shut down in March of 2020, I didn't even have a year's worth of growth. That's not what I wanted to start a business with. And then I deal with everything that's come up over the past years. That's not what I wanted to start a business with. But it's commitment. I'm here six days a week. I take care of my members. I know them by name. I ask how they're doing. They check on my family. They check on me. They check on our staff. Our trainers are involved. People see it. People know it. Uh, Anytime Fitness is a franchise. People can walk into different Anytime Fitnesses and realize whether that club has an owner that's there or not. It's not very difficult either. You walk in and you see everything's dirty. You're like, "Yep, there's probably not a single owner that works here or ever visits here." And then you walk in at other clubs that are clean, pristine. Their equipment's working you know that someone's involved because it's their business. They're taking care of it. You can pay a manager all you want, but unless they're just the greatest person to begin with, they're probably not going to have that same commitment as the honorable. So I I, I put that out there for anyone that's doing a small business at all, whether it's fitness or not, is if you're going to do this, you have to commit to it. I've, I've, I've had to deal with legal, issues at my club not because of members or anything else but because of the building and the build out itself and I take care of these things I'm here and I'm I'm involved I'm I mean there's a lot I've given up so much to be here my family can attest to that I want this place to be successful and I want people to love it here I'm going to do my part and I you know I hope and I pray that that's going to pay off in the end
4: Awesome, man. I I have no doubt. It sounds like you have the passion, you have the work ethic. COVID, you know, nobody could have predicted it, but here you are still standing. So um, I look forward to seeing, seeing where you go with things. I'd love to have you back on. So hopefully we can arrange that, talk about some more topics. But for today, we are out of time. I thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure having you, Corey. Yes,
5: sir. Thank you, Dominic.
4: You are welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we wouldn't be here without you. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop to everyone out there in Jim Lords nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for
0: listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors.
6: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Miss Janice Loria of Anytime Fitness. Janice, what's going on? How are you today? Very good. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on, Janice. Talk to us about What got us here in the first place? Obviously, you are the owner and leader of this club. How did we get here, Janice? What brought you to the seat of being a gym owner?
7: So a long time ago, back in 2006, beginning of 2007, we were discussing moving, my family and I. I had three small children. And as we started to look for places, there was I, I was looking for a gym. I went to the gym seven days a week, sometimes twice a day. Never worked in a gym, didn't know anything about it, never personal trained, nothing. And the areas I was looking had to have a gym. And I wasn't happy with any area.
3: Mm-hmm. I want
7: my husband wanted to stay in New Jersey, so we were looking up and down the coast. I pretty much went to bed. Woke up the next morning, and he said, how'd you like to own your own gym? <laughs> Let's he said, I found this, Yeah. He said, I found this franchise called Anytime Fitness, yeah. and I think we could do this. And here we are.
6: Yeah. When did you open up, Janice?
7: Uh, I opened up in... I went to corporate training in 07, and I opened up in February of 2008.
6: Okay. So, you have... You've been the leader of this for quite some time now, going on 13, 14 years, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I think most of the people that listen to this are familiar with Anytime, so we don't need to really do a whole lot of explanation with what the brand is and what the gym is about. The meat and potatoes of this being open gym model, people paying a monthly membership, coming and working out on their own and doing their thing, right? Correct. Talk to us a little bit about that service, right? Because there's some artistic license when it comes to how you actually operate that. What do people typically pay for that in your market?
7: So I have increased my pricing once in the last 13 years and it happened to be right before everything happened in uh, January of 2020 is when I changed my pricing. Mm. Um, I
6: and So I was, for 12 years, it was exactly what it was when you started? Exactly. Wow, okay.
7: Um, probably not smart on my part, but I never went into this business with the thought that I was going to be rich. I wanted to do this because I had a passion for it and I loved working out. I loved helping people work out, teaching people what I knew, and I loved learning more about it. So I was never big on the pricing and marketing end of it. I'm not a salesperson, not very good at it, but I'm hands on. I'm here all the time. And I think that's what makes my business what it is.
6: Yeah. It's interesting because we talk to so many gym owners and people in our industry typically find themselves as gym owners because they were great trainers or because they were great coaches or they had this passion for helping people, but quickly find out when they open a business like this, that there's a lot of skills that are really, really important to running a solid business that they don't teach you in PT school or that they don't teach you in exercise phys school or even business school a lot of the time. And that is things that you mentioned, right? Good marketing, good sales. How can we focus on the business side of things to match the care and conviction and the passion that we have to really run a great business? It sounds like you are completely full of passion and wanting to help people. Talk to us about the marketing side of things. In the last 13 years or so, what has been the best way for you guys to bring in new members?
7: So word of mouth is big around here because we're a very small town and I cater to the high school students. Uh, College students always seem to come back home. I work my memberships around tourists because we're at the beach. So summertime, I have a lot of you know, people that come for a day, for a week, for a weekend. I do all different types of memberships to accommodate everybody. And I also do advertising for the school. So my name's out there all the time.
6: Yep. And so a, a number of different real strategies that you guys have gotten in front of people so that they know that this business exists you mentioned word of mouth being one of them, right? Word of mouth is a real mainstay in our industry. People that experience a great product naturally want to share it with people that are close to them, friends, family, coworkers, whoever that may be. And from a business perspective, free leads, easy sale, right? I can build the business without investing too much money. But the the I guess the con to the pro there is, there's not as much control, right? We don't, we may get 20 referrals one month. We may get five referrals the next month or none. And so you've mentioned a couple of other things that you supplement to bring in people in addition to the word of mouth, right? What's been yep. the the most successful way you guys have, have actively gone out looking for new members?
7: Uh, my husband and I do a lot in the town mm-hmm. outside of work. Right, and we just get to know a lot of people. We belong to the chamber of commerce, although we don't actively go to the meetings and things like that because it's usually working hours. Yep. Um, we just we get to know the townspeople, and like yeah. I said, it's it's a small town. And yeah. Everybody knows everybody.
6: More of the pounding the pavement sort of strategy and and really getting out in front of people, right? Correct. Okay, and so. What about things uh, more in the digital realm, right? When we talk about people looking for gyms now, social media has become such a huge aspect of how word gets spread. Are you guys on social media?
7: Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. So yes, we are out there.
6: Yeah. How has that? How has that worked for you? Do you find that many people find you through those channels?
7: Uh, a lot. Instagram, yeah. more so the. Like the younger,
6: yeah. There's a typical market for each platform. Yep.
7: Right, and then Facebook. I get a lot of Facebook messages and reviews and things like that.
6: Yeah. Have you guys dabbled into the the more traditional? I, I get not not traditional, but the paid side of using those things. Either Facebook, Instagram, Google. Has that been on your radar at all?
7: I've done. Uh, I do uh, ads on Facebook. So yes. I do that. Okay. I've done ads on Yelp, which that was a disaster. So I ended that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: um,
7: Google is actually with my brand. They have a contract. So
6: right. right.
7: I'm up there because they put me
6: there. I see. Okay. And so, I mean, for for so many gym owners assigning budgets to ad spend and things like this can become a really jaded sort of feeling when you spend money and we don't get the result. With your example for Yelp, it just didn't pan out the way that we wanted it to. And then we have this kind of negative connotation towards it. But it sounds like you are still actively using those other channels. Janice, when we get a lead, in, right, from wherever, from Facebook, from a walk-in off the street, from a referral, wherever that lead comes from. What happens in the process between that lead opting in to them becoming paid members? Kind of walk us through that typical sales process.
7: So it's different, you know, depending if it's through email, the telephone, or just, you know, through the front door. I probably... I would say sign up at least 75% of my leads. And again, I'll stress that I'm definitely not a perfect salesman. That doesn't happen. Right. But we're very homey, very honest. I'm hands-on. I am sole employee here. That's it. Yeah. So people see me day in and day out. I, As any time, we do offer seven-day trials. And I do make it staffed hours, so I get to see them and talk to them. And like I said, seven at least 75% end up signing up. Maybe not that day, but they come back.
6: Right. You mentioned one thing along the way that I think is actually really, really important to dive into, and you said that you are the sole employee, right? It sounds like a whole lot of responsibility falls to you, and you probably wear a number of hats in this facility have you guys entertained the idea of bringing on any kind of help, be it trainers, coaches, admin, front desk? Has that crossed your radar at any point?
7: Well, for starters, I don't have a front desk because I didn't want that appearance when people walk in. It's intimidating. Okay. So I have chairs where they can sit and wait if somebody else happens to be in the office. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. they're asked to come straight in right into the office. Um I do wear many different hats. I do have personal trainers, but they are subcontractors.
6: Ah, okay. Okay, so we have 1099s. Okay. So yeah. it's not just you. There are other people filtering in and out of the facility. I see. Okay. Yeah,
7: I, I have a couple trainers, but I I'm a fairly small facility. I'm just under 5,000 square feet. Okay. And um I have a couple personal trainers. I also have one of my trainers does group training twice a week. Hmm. But other than that, it's just an open gym.
6: Sure. Well, I mean, there are a couple of services that you mentioned there that people can opt into should they choose. And so I find within this sort of model, we describe it almost more of a medium box than a big box. It's not quite on the same par with LA Fitness or 24 Hour or these 30,000 square foot conglomerates, you guys focus a lot more on the sort of hometown feel, the we know everybody that comes through our doors sort of thing. And so exactly, is it is for you the focus more on building the membership numbers up? Or is it more on getting people into PT, getting people into group training and really serving the members that we have at a higher level, which one do you think is gonna be a bigger focus for you?
7: I personally like to service the members that I have. Yeah. I try to give them everything I have.
6: Yeah, I think that's tremendous. And I think that really has to be the focus as we are coming out of a pandemic. It's not necessarily how do we chase 2000, 3000, 4000 members, but with the membership that we have, that sort of 750 to 1500 range, what do we do to make sure that everyone has the best possible experience and that they stay, right? They continue to be members for the long haul. It sounds like that's much more your focus. Am I on pace with that?
7: Absolutely. And I still have members from 2008.
6: Yeah, that's incredible. Because if we're to look at, I mean, industry statistics suggest average length of memberships in this sort of business model is six months or less. You guys are at the 14 year mark. I think we're well beyond that.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And so Janice. I it
7: stays that way. <laughs> we want to
6: keep it 15, 20 years at least, that's for sure. Janice, talk to us about paint me a, paint me a picture of the future, right? Where is this business heading in your mind? What do you want to see from your individual club?
7: I'd love to see it stay exactly as is to the point where I can maybe go down south somewhere and have another one.
6: Interesting. Okay. Two? Is two the the grand vision? Am I going to see you with 20 (laughs) clubs down the
7: years? (laughs) Two has always been my vision. Okay. And now my, my son maybe... Come a part of it. He is a health and wellness exercise science uh, graduate, and he has his personal training certification, so that may come into play as well.
6: Yeah, the legacy effect, right? We've got (laughs) an asset that we can pass down. Janice, I think that's tremendous. Um, As we kind of approach the end of our time here, I always really appreciate the chance to dig into entrepreneurs brains and see what makes them tick and why they do what they do just as much as how they do what they do. And I really, really appreciate you kind of letting us in or giving us a sneak peek of this point pleasant club. Before we get out of here, where can people find out a little bit more? What's the the social media that you mentioned earlier? How can people find you?
7: So we, as a, a franchise, we do have anytimefitness.com, a website, that anybody can go on and put in my location of point pleasant new jersey and pull it up but my instagram page is anytime fitness point and my facebook page is anytime fitness point pleasant
6: perfect janice this has been a bunch of fun i hope you enjoyed it i i love this sort of opportunity in this conversation. We'll have to check in with you again down the road to see what location number two looks like and where it happens to open up. How does that sound? You? I would
7: love it. I, I appreciate you uh, letting me in on this.
6: Absolutely. Well, Janice, we thank you. And to everyone who tuned in, we thank you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like, and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Gym Lords out.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com.